Evolutionary.org presents Evolutionary Hardcore Podcast with your co-hosts, Steve from the American Underground and Mobster from the UK Iron Den. Get ready for the most hardcore and underground info in the industry. And here we go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6... Evolutionary.org hardcore podcast coming your way. Episode 157. John Romano, Steve Smee here, and the mobster. What's up, buddy? How you doing? Oh, good. Uh, ready for the sunshine, ready to kick ass. Let's uh, let's smash this one out. So we're gonna do John in this one, fitness industry veteran. We were talking about it on the pre-show. He's been in the in the in the game since he was 18 years old. So long time of his life. He's currently 62 as of this podcast, so he's in his 60s. By the time you guys listen to it, he might be in his 70s. This evergreen podcast, so he's an older guy. Did various jobs within the bodybuilding world. He never was a pro bodybuilder uh, where he competed and stuff, but he was in the background, so he knows a lot about this stuff. 80s and 90s, he wrote for popular bodybuilding magazines. Lived in Mexico where he's owned property since the 80s. He moved there in 1999. Then he moved back to the United States a uh, handful of years later. So early life, guys, in profile, uh, various career paths, always centered around fitness and bodybuilding. That was his first love growing up. He became well-known as a senior editor for Muscular Development Magazine, MD, as it was called. While working at the magazine, he put out numerous uh, Atlantis controversial articles, got him a lot of fans and also a lot of enemies. He's a controversial figure in the industry, guys. He also authored books about recipes. Momster and I were discussing it on the pre-show. He's a very avid. He likes to talk about cooking food, lots of different recipes and stuff. RX Muscle was the website he was involved with as a co-founder. He's also been on many different channels on TV, steroid consultant. And he's written lots of blogs and articles over the years. And also at T Nation, which is another one you guys may have heard of. He was on uh, HBO, ESPN, ABC. And he also ran a gold gym franchise south of the border in Mexico, which was something he had always dreamed that he wanted to do, which was run a gym. Who doesn't want to spend their 40, 50 hours a week hanging out at a gym and get paid. So that makes a lot of sense. So let's get into some of his uh, fat loss steps and goal setting and nutrition and training and all that good stuff, Mobster. I'll start us off and, I'll, and I know you want to jump in. And then we're, guys, we're going to get into steroid talk. This is going to be a good one, guys, for 60 and over crowd. Um, Mobster and I are both under 60 at, the at this time, but we're going to talk about what John would be running today to keep himself looking good year round, looking and feeling good. So John recommends people lose fat into and by changing the way they live and eat. So it's a lifestyle change, simple approach, exercise, and how much food you eat. He also is a big advocate for weight training, obviously. Building muscle, because a lot of muscle on your frame means your body has to burn more calories. It's kind of a yin and yang effect. Cardio, he likes people to do light exercise, 
something like the stair climber, keep your heart rate 60, 70% and do it for like 45 minutes. So that strategy is not rigorous, but it helps you burn a bunch of calories. So that kind of keeps you, keeps the engine going on your body. He doesn't believe in cheat meals, cheating. Um, he wants you to stick to a disciplined diet, but he will cheat once a week. And he doesn't think you should punish yourself if you want to cheat once a week. So he likes to keep it on Sunday. So a lot of the old school guys, there's a story about Arnold and a bunch of those guys in the 70s who the big time bodybuilders down in Southern California, you know, Malibu and LA, what they would do is they would eat solid the whole week, no cheating. And then on Sunday, they would go as a group, hit up the ice cream parlor, hit up maybe the burger joint, hit up some, some, you know, some of that type of food. And that would be the little treat on a Sunday. And then Monday we back to the grind again. So that was kind of one of the things and it kept them satisfied. It kind of quenched their sugar, sugary um, high, you know, got them going. Another thing he believes in fat burners, low glycemic carbs, yams and whole grains, because that keeps your insulin under control. That's why you see a lot of people in, in Japan, um, in Okinawa, especially much of their diet is actually sweet potato and yams and it works very well for them. They're some of the healthiest people in the world because when you eat them so much of that, they're sugar, they have sugars, but the thing is because they're low glycemic carbohydrates, they keep your insulin levels blunted and balanced. So you don't get that spike in insulin levels you would get from eating something like cake or ice cream or refined sugars like that, which spike your insulin levels to ungodly levels. And then your body, of course, starts storing fat. So I'm going to bring in Mobster in here, talk a little bit about his goal setting, his training, that sort of thing. And then I'll kind of touch on it a little more on his nutrition. We'll get into a steroid talk. I'm going to address this uh, training stuff again from the aspect of the, the older athlete. I mean, because I can assume right here, I think we can all safely assume that John has experimented with training over the years and may have even been in a fortunate position to be able to train from time to time to, with these pros that him and Dave Palumbo were writing about when they were involved at MD and, of course, through, through RX Muscle. What we can look at then is how does John train now? How do we think John trains now? I mean, this is something mentioned in the article that will come with this uh, podcast is that we can assume very safely because he's mentioned it himself that there's an element of CrossFit, the conditioning stuff, especially for him. But I'm also I'm going to think that something that's touched upon here is the idea of what we call a full body workout. Now, most of you guys won't, know, won't even know what this is. You go straight to the gym and it's chest, it's arms, it's shoulders, it's whatever. Whereas I would have started back in the day, never mind now, back in the day as as you know it would have been the whole body or at least half my body upper body and then lower body and so we're talking about how john trains now and he's touched on this with a few bits of snippets of pieces of information he's big on facebook but more than anywhere and and this is a whole body workout it doesn't necessarily mean he's just doing squats with legs or bench for chest or whatever else i i think for the way that john comes across and again i'm thinking of stuff that i've seen i think i think follow him on facebook You'll see photographs of his rip calves, et cetera, et cetera. John strikes me as the sort of guy that will mix things up and occasionally does things differently. And then he goes on Facebook and explains something that he's been trying recently 
and say, do you think my calves look better and this kind of stuff. And with John, he's not really asking for your opinion. He's showing you his calves and he's saying, I think they look better and maybe this stuff will work for you. John very, is very much that kind of personality type. You need to be like that when you're writing the articles for magazines. You need to be like that when you was writing for Teen Nation back in the day. You need to be doing stuff like that, thinking that particular way when you're doing podcasts. You can't be an I'm in an iron kind of person. So, yeah, I think with John and the way that he's expressed himself, He's talking about a full body worker. I mean, let's just do it from the what people his age would do, never mind John Romano. And a full body workout's fine. There's one of the guys that comes to my local gym, uh, works with the SAS and Army stuff. And he pretty much comes in and does three or four exercises, which is like the clean, one of Steve's favorite, the power clean, and a bunch of other exercises and like a sort of a, a circuit with moderately heavy weights. When the whole thing's done in 40 minutes and he's out of there. He's doing a lot of running, a lot of speed walking, this kind of stuff. And obviously he's working with the troops. Romano strikes me as that's the way that he would train and people his age would benefit. So, you know, if, for example, Steve, getting on a bike and doing 15 or 20 miles on a bike, and I don't mean in, in the gym, don't drive to the gym and get on a bike, something Steve and I talk about, on the trails, riding up a mountain. I like the trail walk. I like to get my steps every day. You're, you see these people... I, <laughs> I'm not necessarily keen on them wearing Lycra, but they are 60, sometimes 65, 70 years of age. All their facilities, their brain's working fine because they're moving blood around their body. They're light, they're lean, they're in shape, and they're crazy fit. And they're crazy fit for anybody's age, but especially for someone who's 60, 65, 70. These are not people that are going to be going to hospital with blood pressure issues or on a bunch of tablets or whatever else. And John definitely kind of comes, reminds me of some who's of that ilk, he's in shape. He is, as Steve says, 62, he's vascular. In fact, in some ways, he looks better now, certainly leaner now, Steve, probably again because of age, uh, than he did when he was training, when he was lifting, when he was younger. Because when he was younger, he would have been experimenting with that cooking that we know about. We know that's where his ideas about nutrition have come from. So he would have been experimenting with the sources, experimenting with food. He would have weighed more, and I don't recall him being super ripped the way that he is now now obviously he's downsized 15 or 20 pounds less but he was never a giant physique person back in the day but he's definitely lean and a photograph i'm thinking that the one that sticks in my mind mentioned already is a very vascular dry looking calf muscle with the with the, the little lines that are down the middle of the muscle veins going across it whatever else so i mean dressed he'd be one of the he'd look like a fit 60 plus athlete undressed you know that this guy works like you know that he's training with weights etc etc and again i don't recall uh, john coming across as one of his guys regardless of whatever else who was crazy big or crazy strong but unlike a great many bodybuilding writers and i'm going back a long way in terms of history very few top bodybuilding magazine writers or pundits or whatever else actually look like proper bodybuilders uh, and I can think of some really, really great writers that barely, if they trained at all, trained. Uh, and, and yet John, and for that matter, Dave Palumbo, his buddy, are definitely two guys. Of course, uh, Palumbo took it to 300 pounds plus, whereas John never did. But John does train. He is hardcore in his own particular way. So, yeah, you've got that definite aspect there. I can see him doing CrossFit. I can see him riding the bike. I can see him trail walking. I can see him running up the side of a mountain. I can see him doing stuff down on the beach. And in fact, arguably, again, 
as I, as I think Steve will agree, in terms of your overall le level of fitness and in terms of being able to be excited, especially when you've been training for 40 or 50 years, about what's going to get you out of bed in the morning and make you stay in shape, the varied workout but for people of that age especially works the best. Doing some swimming, doing some riding, playing tennis, but don't just get stuck into one thing. I'm, I, I, I'm probably a bad example. I think sometimes Steve is as well. In terms of us having injuries, it's because we're doing the same damn stuff that we like to do so many times that we've ended up injured, whether we're pushing ourselves too heavy or whatever. I suppose you fit the guys that are the fittest, the women that are the fittest, they tend to have the most varied kind of workouts, whether that's the super fit crossfitters or just people that are doing different stuff. So I can see that John would be the kind of person that's probably hitting the gym four days, five days a week three days a week as a minimum for the whole body stuff, but doing other stuff on the other days, even probably sometimes where perhaps he shouldn't, but training or doing some kind of physical activity every day. Maybe we could argue and be polite and call it active recovery. Sometimes John strikes me as being an intense kind of guy, perhaps taking other things to an extreme, particularly there. But again, I'm trying to think of the stuff I can't see in my mind remembering him talking about too many injuries, Steve. So that balanced approach, doing different things, that's going to be really, really good for someone who's 60 plus. Better you. When you're in the industry, you're within the industry, your friends are in the industry, you know, and you've got that peer pressure, you've got that added pressure. How many times have I gotten in my car after a long day of work and I still was sore from my previous workout? I got in my car and I was like, man, should I go to the gym or not? I don't feel like going to the gym. My body's worn out. I don't feel like going. But you know what? I go anyway. Because, you know, I know that at the end of the day, once I get to the gym, once I'm in the gym, I'm in that gym environment, I'll, you know, I'll be good to go. And that's what always happens with me. So having a good gym environment is so crucial to get you through a workout, even if you don't feel like it. Something that occurs to me, Steve, and perhaps it's just a thing of our time as well, is because my, my, my knowledge of the Iron Game history goes back so far, in terms of the writers and reporters, et cetera, the pundits of yesteryear, they didn't get seen. They weren't on camera. They weren't being interviewed, whereas now they are. So John and people of his ilk are far more likely to be seen and be, have to be in shape. So, I mean, I can think of some really, really, I'm not going to name them, but some really, really good writers that were out of shape or looked like they never trained. Whereas guys like uh, John here, you kind of have to be in shape because you're going to be on camera too. You're going to be interviewing a pro and you've got to look good standing there. I mean, you don't, you don't have to look like a professional bodybuilder, but you've got to be lean, you've got to be tanned, you've got to be in shape. So there's definitely a motivation aspect there in terms of, as you say, uh, uh, not necessarily feeling like you want to go to the gym if you've been doing a hard day's work and whatever else, but you kind of got to, especially when you're a pundit now. You are going to be, even if you're standing on some kind of webcam or on, on YouTube or, or WhatsApp or Zoom or whatever, we're going to see what you look like. It's no good you sitting there telling me that I've got to train, I've got to do this, i got to do that. And, I, and, and you're a big fat out of shape sl slob. So, yeah, I can see the motivation here. Dave, for example, his body, again, is downsized hugely from his 315-pound peak. But naturally, because he's always been that kind of way anyway when he was doing the middle-distance running, he's vascular, he's 
you can see the shape, you can see the genetics, et cetera, et cetera. And the other pundits they tend to have on the show, you, you're not getting too many guys coming that show that are fat or out of shape or don't train or aren't doing something to look good on camera. So there's definitely a motivation. The final motivation, I think, for John in terms of standing shape, et cetera, et cetera, of course, and I mentioned this in the pre-show, is that he's married to Valerie Garcia, and she's a pro, or was a pro physique competitor. So having her in the house, having someone who's in shape, and they're around you 24-7, is going to be a motivational factor too. Looking good, feeling good, feeling especially look, and looking good for 62 years of age, 100% motivation right there, Steve. That's, that's, you, you can be tired from traveling. You could be reviewing a competition. You could be doing, a, I think a lot of the RX muscle stuff's done at 11, 12 o'clock at night when Dave's finished doing his stuff for the day with the business and the kids have gone to bed and they quite often do their stuff. It's 10, 11 o'clock at night, uh, sometimes later when they've got Lee Priest on. So there's definitely stuff there. Late at night, still looking good, still full of beans, still full of pep and still ready to kick ass on a podcast and slam the opinions out there and get these guys, get the views, get the people going, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, there, there's an element of that that never was for the writers of yesteryear, never was for the pundits of yesteryear. Uh, I mean, Christ, you and I are old enough to remember when it was just voice uh, and no video. Or, and, and if you did see a photograph, the picture that went with the article was 20 years old, all of that kind. And never, the, photo, the photograph never changed. And of course, Joe Readers were notorious for being manipulated and this person's head on this person's shoulders and all that kind of stuff. Or, you know, and Bob Hoffman, etc., talking about, you know, the weights that he did when he was 40, but when he was 60, that kind of stuff. So it's definitely that if you saw these people as they actually was, John is in shape. John does look good. And he especially looks good for 62, Steve. Back to you. One of the things, too, talks about, this is important because I talk about it a lot, too, is goal setting. You should look in the mirror. You should be looking at yourself in the mirror, guys. Not because you're egotistical. You should be looking in the mirror and looking at yourself and setting goals. What do you want to look like in the future? Set a goal, realistic. And that's something that you can do and know how you're going to get there. Know how you're going to get there. Don't just say, yeah, I want to get an eight pack. Okay, well, how are you going to get there? That's mm. the question. You're not going to get there by eating Chick-fil-A and ice cream and fast food and stuff. No, you're not going to get there. So you got to have a realistic goal to do that. Just because some dude on social media posts pictures of him eating pizza and McDonald's and all this stuff, and he's got an eight pack, that doesn't mean that you're going to be able to do that. He, you know, he's, he's him, you're you. So you've got to do it, guys. You've got to do it. You've got to, he talks about posting pictures and posting it on the fridge, then posting a picture of someone you want to look like next to it. But in our case, you can just come on the forum and start a log and post a picture of yourself, walk out your face, post a picture of yourself, and then you can post a picture, hey, I want to look this person. That, that's, I've seen people do that. And then by keeping a log, we can kind of push you along and give you tips and advice and then you can push yourself along. So that's very, very important to do. And uh, it's always a good reminder to try it. Mobster, you have a comment on that? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to agree 100% here with Steve. I've done the stuff where I've literally printed out competition targets and I've put that up when I was I had a little three-bedroom masonette and my gym was one of the bedrooms. And I had a, a poster size, small poster size piece of paper on the wall printed off my printer with the numbers that I wanted to hit for competition. I got very analytical later on when I was starting to kick ass second, first, third place, whatever, on the podium. And I would say, what was what my what was my competition going to do? And could I beat my competition? And I, could I add five kilos to the bar? 
could I, you know, could, would, would I cook their ass? Even if I didn't win every single event, could I win the competition? And I would have those numbers worked out way in advance. Now, even now, uh, you guys, I run a log on the forum and you can go to my log and you'll say, right, at certain periods of the year, I'm trying to max out. One of my favorite lifts at the minute is on leg day, uh, it's on the one and three rotations, is the Hatfield squat. You hold the power rack, you've got a safety bar on your shoulders and you come up. Uh, during COVID lockdown, I think I worked up to a 340 kilogram, that's over 700 pounds single. Right now, I'm doing what I'm calling myself as the rule of eight. So I've changed my target. I've readjusted my focus onto something else. And one of the things that I talk about sometimes on the forum is what I call a short-term or, or too much of a short-term view rather than the long-term view. That's with cycles, that's with training, that's with whatever. If most of our listeners and most of the members on the forum are going to fall in the 18 to 25-year-old brackets, Steve, that's the average person age-wise, both in the States and here in the UK, probably worldwide, that goes to the gym. There'll be some teenagers in there, but the people that your regular gym members between 18 and 25, and their view when you're 18 to 25, guys, can be quite short. Whereas what we're talking about here is an athlete, a writer, that is 60 plus. I'm 57. You guys will have the view for now, and that includes on your cycles. What you need to do, and this is where this targeting can come in, you can have short, medium, and long-term targets. You can you can change those things. It doesn't have to be the same thing all the time. I'm sure that when John started training, he probably saw himself as some kind of professional bodybuilder. Who knows where life's going to take us? This applies to you, the listener, right now. John ends up as one of the best writers in our industry today, certainly a few years ago when he was smashing it on, on muscular development in the magazine. At one point... They had the magazine over 500 pages when him and Dave were running the ship under Steve Blackman. As many jokes as they like to make about this, I think there might have even been a 600 pages or some 580 or something crazy, Steve. This was down to these two guys smashing it, the biggest magazine out there. And I mean, literally the biggest in size and certainly probably the one with the biggest stars on after the whole weed stuff of years ago and whatever else. This was down to these two guys. So that's where their journey took them. So you can imagine if you're doing that kind of stuff and doing the 11 o'clock podcast, even now, your ability to train is not going to be Mr. Olympia level. It's going to be something else. So change that stuff through life. Where you want to be when you're 20, where you want to be when you're 30, where you want to be when you're 40, and then break it down through the year. I don't train balls out as heavy as I possibly can all year round. Steve doesn't. There are reasons for this. It's easy sometimes to think that you can when you're on PEDs, but it's impossible. It doesn't matter if you're a runner or a world-class weightlifter or an Olympia-level athlete. It is impossible to have that level of condition or that level of strength or that, that ability to run fast all year round at the tip-top level. So you work experience issues very quickly. You work how I can have a peak here, I can have a peak there. You can do two cycles a year. You can gain 10 pounds of muscle. You know that in two years, that's going to be 20 pounds of muscle. You can wear 20, 30 kilos, 45, a 45-pound plate to the bar, the equivalent of 45-pound plate to the bar, two more plates, three more plates on the leg press, and all this kind of stuff. And so setting goals, as Steve said, look, we call it moving the goalposts. If you do it right, you can have three macro cycles of training through the year. You can certainly run two cycles, mild short cycles of steroids through the year. And, and, and look down the road, see where you're going to be. You can change from 
all their heavy weightlifting and start running. You can say, I'm going to do like a, a full body workout as we described already, and, and I'm, but I'm going to work myself up to five, six miles a day. Dylan, one of the writers uh, uh, and does a lot of videos and uh, on the forum, it's 10 miles. Every single, ten, I think it's every single day, Steve, is that it? Certainly is a super lean guy, a super conditioned guy. I used to do that stuff once on a Sunday and two to three miles several times during the week. But 10 miles every day, yeah, man, it's just, it's a, and again, it's an amazing I'm, amount of uh, commitment and yeah. motivation and a lot of love for music because that's yeah. when I would go running. If I found a new song that I wanted to jam to, I have my little thingy, right? And I'm running. And then every time it gets to the end of the song, I hit the back button and repeat the song. And then I'll get sick of the song and have to find a new song. <laughs> that was yeah. what I would do. We've seen it 20 uh, times in an hour or something. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I get bored. I uh, yeah. Yeah, I've said it with you're 62 years of age. If you're like John, this is the thing that you're going to need to do. You need to. One of the, I talk about this on the forum again, and I suspect John is a great example of this. He must probably better than anybody else he understands what gets him out of bed in the morning he understands what gives him passion i'm not going to go into it but one of his one of his things that he is a he loves is a big he's a big political guy uh, and and we're not going to touch on that because it's a real bugbear for a lot of people but it's definitely something that gets his juices going it's definitely something that gets him out of bed maybe kind of angry when he gets out of bed in the morning training will be one of those things you don't if he's training from when he's a teenager and he's still training, and we know that he's still training now, he's 62, that's definitely a passion. But it doesn't have to be the same thing. And as I said, you can move those goalposts through the year. You can say, look, three months of the year is going to be all cardio. I'm going to do minimal weights. I'm just going to stay where I am in terms of my, my, my gym work, but I'm going to work up to 10 miles a day like Dylan. I'm going to work up to 10,000, 12,000, 14,000 steps a day like Steve. I'm going to do this kind of stuff and then all right, the summer's coming, so I'm going to hit the beach more. So I'm going to run on sand instead of running up in the hills. I'm going to be putting two to three kilometers, two, one or two miles in the, in, the, in the sea every day. And I'm going to do that. I, I, don't, I think John's in a position, fortunately, to have more than one home. So he can train a certain particular way if he's living in Mexico, a certain particular way when he's living in America. And he's able to do that. And of course, John, because he's in the industry, he's probably got the ability to go to two or three different gyms. Look at the guys that live in Vegas, Steve. I think quite often, I think... Uh, um, Jay Cutler, certainly at the, when he was at around his level of the, the Mr. Olympia level, four different gyms. And again, that's pro level stuff. Romana can do that. He can go to one gym that's great for crossfitting and one gym that's great for training, another gym that's really got good, good bench uh, chest machines and so on and so forth. So these stuff, especially when you're 62, it's going to get the juices going. It's going to inspire, it's going to motivate, it's going to make the stuff interesting. And so for you guys that aren't full on hardcore, all our older athletes, this stuff, the way that John does it and the way that other older athletes that stay in shape, look good, et cetera, do it, this is for you. Let's let's hit the normal stuff there, Steve. Let's talk about what you can do when it comes to PEDs when you're over 60. Exactly. And let's talk about also that fact that John, when he was in Mexico, steroids are legal down there. And so you can basically buy them. A lot of the Latin America countries are like that. Uh, when I visited some of them, um, you know, you can just tell the taxi driver, be like, hey, you know, steredo, steredo. And he'll take you to a pharmacy <laughs> that sells steroids. Well, the selection isn't, you know, huge, okay? Because yeah. some of these steroids are not pharmaceutical steroids, meaning they're not like, you know, Trembolone, for example. There, there isn't a company in the world that makes Trembolone. 
that's a pharmaceutical company. So you can have to find some some underground labs and stuff. You're gonna have to get that on your own. But there are plenty of steroids out there that are pharmacy grade. He so one of the things he wanted to do is he wanted to when he was in Mexico is have uh, consultations where he would bring people in. It's kind of like a an anti-aging clinic type of setup where you set it up and you have people come in across the border, you get them set up on a steroid cycle, you consult with them, you get the blood work done and all that stuff in a legal fashion. Apparently that didn't pan out well. I would still think you'd be opening yourself up for some, you know, there's some liability issues with that. That would be kind of hard to pull off. Um, You'd have to have a doctor, you'd have to have a legitimate doctor working with you and all that stuff. So it would be, it would be kind of tough, but he's always been a um, advocate for legalizing them in the United States. He's talked about it on TV and whether you agree with him or not, a lot of people disagree with him on stuff. I disagree with him on some stuff. Uh, Mobster disagree with him. But one of the things he says is that it's uh, steroids are not harmful and it's all media hysteria. And um, you know, obviously I don't agree with that. Mobster, you know, we don't agree with that. Uh, opinion but i think sometimes it's good on an issue to have someone who is you know all the way on one side of an issue like that to kind of move people that direction so you have to kind of take that into account um but we can kind of you know the thing about it is um i'll give an example there is an nfl player um who had uh, got busted for steroid use he got suspended and then the next year, he was a free agent. He came in, he got signed to an eight-year uh, contract by a team. The bottom line is people these days just don't care um, about steroid use as much as they used to back when he started. So, you know, things have changed definitely when it comes to steroid. So, obviously, based on that, we can obviously know, we know that he's used them over the years. I wouldn't think he's used them as much as some of these other guys, obviously these pro bodybuilders, maybe he's experimented with some cycles, some heavy cycles, but in your sixties, you know, those steroids that you use, even if you did use them aggressively in your thirties, forties, and even fifties, you're not going to use them as more as aggressively in your sixties. So we're going to kind of talk about what he could use, what someone in their sixties would use a conservative cycle that these guys would be running, messing around with. So I think, you know, bottom line is you have something called testosterone replacement therapy, hormone replacement therapy. It's typically between 90 and 125 milligrams a week of testosterone, long as testosterone. That's what's usually prescribed to people. I think in his case, he probably runs about double that. He probably runs 250 milligrams a week. Okay. He, he doubles his TRT dose because he is willing to deal with the negatives of that, because if you do that long term, you're going to have to deal with more heart strain, prostate issues, heart disease, inflammation in the body, gut issues, all that stuff can kind of roller coaster. Um, and it can kind of have a domino effect on your body, your kidney health, obviously, your liver health. So but I think he's willing to shave some years off his life to double his testosterone dose instead of running 100 milligrams or 125 milligrams, he's running 250. Primobolin. I sense, you know, primobolin because it's a very mild steroid. You can run primobolin 400 milligrams a week. It's not going to cause estrogen-related side effects. It's not going to cause androgen-related side effects. I run primobolin. It doesn't even feel like you're on anything. Your strength barely moves. 
But if you look at yourself in the mirror with Prima Bowling, this is the cool thing about Prima Bowling. And a big reason why a lot of guys think it's a weak steroid, which it is, it is a weak steroid, but this is why a lot of guys don't run it. Over the course of a 10 or 12 week cycle of Prima Bowling, you look at yourself from before and after, your weight only moves a couple pounds, but you look more cut and more muscular that's the thing with Primo Bowling that Primo Bowling does. And that's, that's kind of cool. But a lot of people are saying, eh, two pounds. Is it worth spending a thousand bucks to buy a Primo Bowling cycle? Eh, yeah. it's not worth it. But mm. that two, two pounds is good quality muscle mass. That's the thing. It's not water. It's not fluff. So I think if you're in your 60s, Primo Bowling is a really, really good option for someone to run. Because like I said, you don't feel like you're on anything. You don't feel the side effects like you would on trend. Trend is a miserable steroid to run. You feel like you're hot all the time. You feel like you're dehydrated all the time. You feel like you're craving carbs all the time. It sucks to run trend. It, 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 a lot of guys, it messes around with their dick. A lot of guys, they can't sleep on trend. They get night sweats. They get day sweats. They break a sweat, just walk into their mailbox. They feel out of breath on it. They can't do cardio on it. Well, Prima Bowling doesn't mess with you like that. Prima Bowling, you might get a little bit of a pump here and there, but it doesn't really mess with you that much. What else do you think guys in their 60s will be messing around with, Mobster? What are your thoughts on this? I've got to say, just thinking, I've made a note here that Trent at 60 or 60 plus would be fucking awful. (laughs) I mean, guys, we, we know from the forums Never mind their own personal experience. We, we know from the forums there are young guys, 25 plus, 30, 35, who hate trend. Equally, we know there's a bunch of guys out that think it's the best drug that's ever been invented. However, if you if you hate trend for the side effects, and the side effects are well known, can you imagine trying to put up with that stuff in your 60s? No way. I've also got, I made a note here. So this is, when it comes to steroids or PED use or whatever else, at 60 plus let's make it simple for you guys there are very few if any and it probably is if any 300 pound bodybuilder type physiques when you're in your 60s it's just perfectly normal and natural to ease your foot off that gas pedal you're not going to be walking around real hard i can think of maybe two or three 250 plus the rest you just don't want to be that heavy when you're 60 plus You've moved on from that stuff. You're into a different part of your life and wherever else. So the idea that, for example, John or anybody else would be 300 would be crazy. John also has a huge advantage when it comes to steroids. He's been doing this stuff a very, very long time, and he's been writing about it a very long time. If John's knowledge, not just for himself, but for PED use full stop, isn't tip-top, then what the hell has he been doing for the last 40-plus years when it comes to weightlifting and training and whatever? Um, something I'll add to the list, and I'll, I'll, I'll address what's on the list as well, is I would put maybe a couple of healing psalms into a cycle for someone who's John's age. You are going to have, just for the simple fact that you've pushed your body in terms of training, and that includes all the training that I mentioned earlier, you're pushing the, high, the risk. It's going to be quite high for niggling injuries, for carpal tunnel, for tennis elbow, for that shoulder. And whether John's had operations, and a lot of guys his age would have done, whether he's had cortisone uh, shots and whatever else. And again, I, I'd be incredibly surprised if John's had nothing. 
it might be super healthy, maybe he's been very lucky, but most guys John's age who still work out will have some kind of injury. I can think of two or three guys down the gym that are, are, are late 50s, early 60s with bicep tears for one reason or another, from powerlifting, deadlifts, from training and whatever else. They, they're able to function quite well, but you can see that there's, there'd be a particular issue there. So the idea that John might have a few niggling bits and pieces and might be frying some peptides or some uh, healing psalms in there, for example, MK, et cetera, in terms of the growth hormone effects, that, that would be something that I might look at over and above any TRT type stuff here again. I, I, my preference will be, Stevie, for a TRT level and then two small additional cycles, you know, low-dose cycles on top of my TRT doses, you say, through the year. So, I mean, a, a great thing, especially for John, and I, I, could have, I think John, because of by association, we know that he's familiar with growth hormone. I won't get into that. You can find that out for yourself, guys, quite easily, what I mean. But certainly using prescribed low dosage of growth hormone, two and a half, three, maybe four IUs a day to stay young looking for its healing properties, for the thin skin that we've talked about, because we know that John stays relatively lean shape through the year. And as I mentioned before in other podcasts, is a big favourite of mine. It will keep John strong relative again to his age. You don't put tons of muscle on it. I've never put on more than five pounds. And because of the way that I've trained and big and heavy enough as it is anyway, on, on an Alivar cycle, if I add five pounds, I'm quite happy to lose that five pounds when I come off. It's just been in me for me to, to get that extra two, three kilos, six, seven pounds on the bar to help me win competitions as, as, as a strength drug. And again, John is not a big guy now. I would be very surprised if John's much over 200 pounds, probably a little bit under. He looks really, really good, etc. Something that Steve talks about, and it's in there in terms of what we think he might be doing. Not a big favourite for these sort of things myself, mostly because I know an enormous amount of people, much like the trend, if you don't like how you feel in this drug, it can be nasty. It can, it's a kind of horrible drug or a rust. But I suspect there's something that someone like John, who's familiar, he come from that kind of era in terms of thinking about bodybuilding, whatever else, is a low dose clem. And this is more for me, in my mind, with something where he, he, he's, I don't know, he's going on holiday, he just wants to be that little bit leaner, that little bit more in shape. I wouldn't like to think of John as running this kind of year round. So I think to me it's something that he will put in every so often just to add a little bit more polish, just to get beach ready, just maybe for some photographs that have been done, family stuff, he's got the shirt off, whatever. It's that kind of stuff where he's going to bring it in. Maybe even, like I said, then there's one of those muscles to pop when he puts those pictures on Facebook and wherever else. So, again, low dose. I think, again, it'd be one of those things that his age now, again, 60-plus, where he will be well aware of his effects on his body. He'd be well aware of how long or how short to run it and well aware, for example, if he had any thyroid issues. Now, the only issue you might get, and I mean, this is that John strikes me as being a very fit, muscular guy. So it might not necessarily apply to John, but with someone who's 60 plus, especially the average Joe, this would not be a great drug. And if you, you need to be already in shape, you need to be already in condition, you need to be already fit. It's no good. And this is what we see a lot of, Steve, especially when it comes to drugs like Clem, or for that matter, fat burners, people whose lifestyle, and we know this doesn't apply to John because of the whole chef thing and cooking and, and the cookbooks, et cetera, and, and it specifically is focused on staying lean, in shape, et cetera, and using food properly. 
this won't apply to John, but for an enormous percentage of society who might be interested in training, who might be interested in getting in shape, et cetera, et cetera. Their diets are crap. Their diets are poor. You mentioned you know, this business of going out for meals. That's becoming a thing here in the UK more and more and more. And we follow the US pattern. The, the whole idea of going, you know, five guys and, and sticking extra sauces on the chicken breast and whatever, having one of those crazy burgers as a treat. We get to the point where we're having a treat all the time, where it's a, it's a cheat meal every day, not once a week and all that kind of stuff. John doesn't strike me as being that kind of person. And if you want to be in the shape that John's in, when you're 60 plus, don't be taking a drug like Clen and have a piss poor diet. Don't be taking a drug like Clen and be doing no conditioning work. It's the combination of things and adding a little bit of polish. And again, low dose here, just to tip you over so that those veins are popping, just to tip you over so those fibers are visible in your calf muscle in that photograph that I've referred to earlier on, just to give you that little bit so, so you look good in the picture or whatever else. Don't get massively out of shape. Don't be like your dad or your uncle, all the rest of the guys that are hitting the beers in the backyard at the weekend, et cetera, et cetera, and then telling you how good they used to be. Be one of the guys who's good now and stays in shape and just uses drugs like this or a couple of low-dose cycles on top of your TRT level to look good two, three times a year. On the TRT stuff, Steve, and I'll address this as an overall thing, so that I don't do TRT at the minute, but I can see myself as perhaps someone who's going to go TRT in the future. And again, maybe when I'm 60 plus, maybe when I want to feel or look a certain particular way, uh, when I've got no idea about competition ever again, et cetera, et cetera. And maybe when I start to feel that I need my, TR, my test levels boosted. We talk about this all the time. There's an enormous amount of guys out there doing what they call TRT, and the old inverted commas applies here, when they really mean they're doing 300 milligrams of gear a week. Whereas really, it should be a, a low level, like Steve said, 100, 125, 150, and only doubling it up to say 250, or occasionally 300, when you're on one of these one or two small cycles, low dose cycles through the year, and the other drugs that we've already recommended. TRT should be about a quality of life. TRT should be in addition to your training, in addition to your conditioning, in addition to moving the different sports in and out of your training cycle. It should be part of, as well as when you're talking about tight nutrition, staying in, staying healthy. Guys, if you're 60 plus and you might even be in a position of being retired, you've got plenty of time to prep that food. You've got no excuse not to now. You've got all day long if you want to to get meals ready for the whole damn week, healthy stuff. If you're fortunate like John, you should be in a business, you've been able to get prep food delivered. Your disposable income should be there as you're planned with your pension. There's plenty of companies out there now. It's getting almost so you can have all your meals all the time that particular way. And if you can afford to pay for PEDs, then you can afford to pay for healthy food. You can afford, for example, again, if you're in that particular situation and you're able to afford a drug cycle, you should be able to afford a, 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 a cheap membership, a decent gym or a country club or one of these kind of multi-sports type places and able to do different things through the year. Don't tell us you can't afford certain things when you can buy growth hormone and you can pay for PEDs, guys. If you've got the money for that, you've got the money for the other things. It doesn't need to be a $10,000 bicycle. It doesn't need to be a $5,000 surfboard. It doesn't need to be $200 training shoes. It can be done with less money than that, guys, to stay in condition, to 
be healthy. I mean, what would be the greatest thing, Steve? And I think John does achieve this. Looking good. I believe there's actually a book out there. I think it's got this title called Looking Good, Being Fit at Any Age. That's got to be the aim, surely, for most of our listeners. Who doesn't want to look good and have a six-pack and be vascular and be fit when you're 60 plus? Come on. Yes, sir, for sure. All right, guys, so that sums it up on uh, this episode, guys. We will have another one next week. We are going to be doing a rest in peace episode on John Meadows. So it's going to be a fun one, guys. Uh, we're going to we talk about his life and talk about what happened to him. Um, it's, it's going to be uh, it's going to be rest in peace, buddy. He was a John Meadows was a good guy. So we'll definitely do uh, another John in that one. So take us into the disclaimer, buddy. As always, guys, we are not doctors and the opinions that come across in these podcasts are hours and hours alone. It's our view and based on experience and views that we've had on this topic for years. Our podcasts are for informational purposes and entertainment only and the freedom of speech and the first amendment. Of-